0: Had been to one uh the, the, the ex and I had been to one together, and it was the first time she'd ever gone. She didn't know what she was experiencing. And so she's like, we should go again sometime. We should go every week. And I didn't say I would never go again, but I did say, if I have to go to improv every week, I will start being mean to the performers. Like I There's only so much I that I can tolerate before I will start reflexively angrily heckling. <laughs> because my respect my, my like respect for the performance cannot ultimately withstand the uh, power of my humanity, and there is only so much of that anyone can take. So, uh, is this thinking about improv stuff. It's since and since we're talking to, and since we're talking shit about other forms of comedy that we don't really enjoy as much, even though we're arguably not really comedians ourselves. This is the Big Bang Theory theory. Hi, I'm Nick.
1: Hi, I'm Kyle. Yeah, and improv it just gets. I mean, so first we. Uh... I live in L.A. Nick, uh, Nick used to live in L.A. Did live in is, L.A. Yes, it is one of the capitals of improv in the United States. So we have seen like the best. I, I don't mean to be like in some sort of smarmy way. I've just seen like we have seen improv that gets billed as some of the best improv you can get in the sea, and it still would get old if you had to see it every week.
0: Yeah, it's um improv is again with the the the, the lady I was dating. I was. She, she'd she never seen any improv before, and uh, she was wondering why every time that I mentioned to someone else that we were going to an improv show, that they would break out laughing. <laughs> and I have to be like, here's the thing. We're probably going to have fun no matter what, all right? But it's also true that, like, 0.06% of improv is actually funny. <laughs> like, it's... um a lot of people will laugh i think due to the awkwardness of semi strangers trying to make each other break during scenes but uh yeah it's kyle's right it's you, you can even the greatest of it uh which we we had regular well he does and i used to have regular access to it like all right i'd i'd like some real jokes now please <laughs> that'd be great um yeah, that's the re- reason
1: there's a reason most of these people the second they get a chance to jump off the improv train and jump into scripted comedy or or like SNL they immediately take like either scripted sketch comedy or just scripted sitcom comedy everybody jumps at that gig which tells you how rewarding the craft of improv is even to the people who practice it most of the time
0: yeah it's it's an excellent skill uh there's a real cult like feel around it which is always bizarre and there's too many uh just like any field there's there's too many bright shiny people who think they're they're great at it and, and need the reality to to disabuse them of that notion um but that's not what this show is really about this show is about watching another show the big bang theory a show about nerds and we watch it cuz we're nerds and we decide whether or not they're getting the nerds right on it and i think over the years we've realized that maybe they are but it's still it's still hurtful um, even though it's a fine, mostly innocent, I, you know, I take it about it because it's a fine, mostly innocent show. No, it's a very often problematic show, uh, especially this day where they, uh, t- today's episode throws in as much like pseudo ironic racism as it can while Sheldon's mom is in the episode. Yes. Um, Which,
1: oh, well, go ahead and summarize the episode and then we can talk about it.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about, uh, whether to do a real episode summary or, or one of my five second summaries. And I think the five second one is more appropriate because, uh. So this episode is season five, episode six, called The, the Rhinitis Revelation, so-called because near the end of the episode, Sheldon gets a cold. That's the only connection there is there. But this episode is really about, it's um, Sheldon's mom uh, is coming to visit. Is, is, uh, at the beginning of the episode, she's already in town. She's hanging out with Leonard and Sheldon in their apartment. Uh, but as they're talking about what they want to do while, she's, while the mom is in town, it immediately becomes clear that mom kind of wants to do stuff that she wants to do and doesn't want to take care of Sheldon the way she's been taking care of him since he was a baby, which is exactly what he expects. So, like, she just gets off the flight, and he's like, oh boy, oh boy, I can't wait for you to make me fried chicken immediately. And Leonard's like, maybe she wants to go out and get something to eat. And so, um, rather than doing a full plot summary, this episode really just is about... Sheldon is trying to accept that his mom is an independent person that has wants and needs. That's what it's, that's the whole gist of the episode. Uh, and so, you know, let's go ahead and pick it apart as we normally would, but that's, that's the bulk of it. It's different examples of Sheldon not understanding why it is that his mom does not want to do 100% exactly what he wants to do. Um, but to, to take a step back to before I started the summary, uh, Sheldon's mom uh who I keep calling that cuz I can never remember her real name in the show uh is a delightful character. She's uh charming and supportive and funny but to lampoon the the southern roots from which Sheldon was 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 born uh she is also incredibly casually ignorant uh and specifically racist all the time. And so I don't have a problem necessarily with... Well, I was going to say... I was was like, I don't necessarily have a problem with the jokes, and I'm realizing that's not true. Like, for example, the the one that actually did kind of get me where I was like, what the fuck, was uh, halfway through the episode, uh, Raj, Sheldon, and Leonard go back to the apartment after going out to dinner, and they see Raj lying on the floor in front of their uh, apartment door, uh, drunk with a six-pack of beer next to him. And Sheldon's mom says something like, oh, I thought it was uh, our Indians who who had the problems with alcohol. And it's like, ah, ah, not great. And so there's about five or six of those in the episode. Uh, and they're not specifically about uh, Indians or Native Americans, but just about whoever. And I, the the thing that it made me think most of it for comparison was like family guy, except I don't think this show is quite as egregious in family guy when it comes to like making fun of people where, you know, at least in this show, Sheldon's mom is a consistent character. And so she's consistently shitty where I think like family guys version of like racism or any sort of like ableism or anything is it's, it's always trying to be ironic when really it's just uh um buttressing the stereotype it's pretending to make fun of uh anyway so i don't know maybe i'm getting too too heavy into picking apart the racism immediately into this episode no
1: no it's (laughs) here's what i'll say um as you stir your drink
0: i was was hoping it wasn't too loud but hey (laughs) fully fully
1: yeah relax chill out you're with you're with Nick and Kyle. You're practically on vacation. Grab a mojito. Grab a margarita. Chill out.
0: I mean, it's uh, true that no one's listening to us has an active or busy lifestyle. <laughs> it's we, so, We're for a relaxed ca- class of people.
1: So there are two things about the... We've talked about part of this before, I think, the last time. Sure. I think that Sheldon's mom was... Which is... I don't get why anyone ever thought that it was okay... To have a character say something offensive and then have another character just say, Oh, you know, that you're not really allowed to say that. It's a, like, I don't get exactly yeah. how they think that the second, it's like, it's like you can't make someone say the N word and then have someone else say, Well, we don't say the N word now. And then be like, Oh, you really yeah. showed that lady on the show who you wrote both parts of this exchange for about that. Like, it doesn't, it barely, frankly, works when you actually do that, like, in a straight, laced sort of very special episode way it's tricky Mm -hmm. and when you just do it for the sake of of oh isn't it funny that the white lady from texas uh has no regard for our uh political correctness i mean actually i guess that's what's slightly annoying about it is it feels like the real joke isn't oh look at the lady saying ridiculous slightly racist things. It's oh, look at the fact that people are uncomfortable with her being right. essentially harmlessly racist. Why would anybody really care except these uptight, nerdy Californians?
0: Well she has a line exactly about that, which is like, oh God, here in California, I don't know how any of you, you know, are able to say anything.
1: Yes, and, and this it 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 comes after, and this is not to cut you off, but this is the second part of it, which is slightly related, um which is the specific line she responds that to is, I think she says something like uh, uh, "Rosary Rattlers." And yes, when her, they go
0: in, when they go into a church while touring the city, yeah, I guess they, that's what she refers to Catholics as.
1: And he, and he's like, uh, "We just say Catholics here." And to which she says that. To which I'm like, "You made that. No one in the history of weirdo racists has ever called." a catholic person a wrote like of all of the we re- well maybe i'm wrong the, the,
0: well no i i have the same feeling it's like that's the weird one to correct somebody on um it's well and it's kind of this thing too where i'm you know let's 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 play crossfire hi i'm tucker carlson you're whoever the other oh. guy was i'm wearing a bow tie hi,
1: hi you're ruining america
0: Oh yeah, uh my my face is always red because I'm I'm so angry that anyone else around me um you know, I I couldn't think of anything funny. The world I, I was, would was, be was... an
1: objectively better place if John Stewart had shot you in the face back in 2006.
0: Yeah, that was that's really everyone's mad at Tucker Carlson, everyone should be mad at John Stewart for having not strangled him to death when he, <laughs> he was, was within right there arm's in length. The room with him. Yeah. Um but so with the thing with like the Rosary Rattlers, I, this is the, the Tucker Carlson in me coming out. I think there is sometimes a degree of being careful that I think is worth making fun of. And so like maybe this isn't a fair example and maybe there's a larger community that's going to call me a piece of shit for, for saying this. But So I used to work as a, as a disability rights lawyer and I was in a room full of people and we were talking about... uh A hospital, a state-run hospital, and whether they would allow anyone to use electric wheelchairs. And somebody jumped in to correct me and said, I I prefer the term power chair. And I was like, well, you're the first person I've ever known to prefer that. And I feel like I'm being corrected for something that's not really a thing. And I don't know if I should feel bad in this situation. (laughs) Like I don't want to feel bad just because like, you, the person who uses the chair, has a preference, but I also don't want to legitimately be rude. And so, to tie that back to the episode, when they're inventing things like the term rosary rattlers, that's where I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, someone might get offended at that, but, like, it's not real, so who who cares? Well, not
1: only is it not real, but it's sort of under like, again, it's something, basically, the Big Bang Theory gets away with, I don't know, I'm I'm making it seem more malicious or sinister than it is intending to be. It's well, it's just, it's hard it, to...
0: Well, it's because, like, the subject is is sensitive, but it's being... It's it's dealt with in the dumbest way, and it's, so it's hard to you. talk it's about. Just,
1: it's just dumb, and it's doing it in a deliberately dumb way. And if you think about what the real person, who this person is supposed to be sort of a charming caricature of, would actually be saying, anything that she would be saying that might affect these people would be worse than that. Like, if you think about... if. I get why they can't write the episode this way. But if she was just like, you know, if she was just like, oh, Raj, you know, it's funny. You know, you're kind of light-skinned for a person who's basically like the N-word. And then she said the N-word
0: and she used the like, Yeah, and everyone would be like, what the fuck, mom? What?
1: <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I don't know. I, this is... I'm going on a slight tangent, but I could sort of see, like, a funny episode of, like, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or what's that showy, like, a, um, peep show where you just have a random character who does not understand that it's not okay to say the N-word. Like, you could actually yeah. mine some comedy out of that if you – but then everyone would understand, <clears throat> like, oh, no, she really is out of touch and that she doesn't get this. And also people have – are perfectly reasonable – To, uh, to be offended by it. So in making up fake, uh, fake things, fake pseudo, pseudo slurs, that's what I'll call them. These pseudo slurs that are not real and putting them in her mouth and then having people act performatively upset about it, like she's saying things that are actually real, it both is... It's not as funny, and it also creates this illusion that people are being overly PC when, in real life, the kind of situations they'd be reacting to would not necessarily be so arbitrary.
0: You you know, this just reminded me of, too, uh, to very, in bad faith, pretend to bring this up to a a higher intellectual level. I once was trying to read The Fountainhead by, you know, the, the, the one and only... Anne or Ayn Rand or however the hell people like to say it. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was terrible. I never finished. I couldn't finish it. It's it hard, for, a hard book to finish. It is hard. And it was like one of those books where I was like, as I'm reading it, I legitimately was like, I don't remember this, but I would, do I just not like reading? I mean, I I often like to take a public I don't like reading stance because uh, it takes long and it's boring. But it's also not something that when I do it is Painful, uh, but reading this was and one of the reasons is that uh I can't remember the name of the character in the book, but you know you've got your your main character, who is of course you, this platonic embodiment of individualism and industry, and his not necessarily they kind of like set them up to be enemies, but his opposite is this character who pursues social good uh intensely zealously but the way he's written is such a caricature that it's hard to take any seri- any critique of that kind of person seriously it's it's like she draws such a cartoon of this self-aggrandizing uh pseudo philanthropist that it's like whatever critique you may have of you know the wealthy class of do gooders and their evils like is completely it it feels void because you're you're putting such a ridiculous figure on display in the first place. You know, it's like, I guess in both cases, you know, they're they're making fun of their straw man, and it's annoying when you can sit back and be like, well, that's not really the thing that people are upset about. <laughs> that's like, I'm glad you've you've created your your enemy that uh, you can display and then show how we're the ones that are being silly, but you don't look good doing it. Um
1: yes, and I will say um and maybe I'm off, I mean, it's not my favorite show. Uh it's I don't like it as much as I used to. But for all of its all of the critiques of it and people have rightly pointed out how it might have been detrimental to society, I feel like South Park does a better job of this. Because when South Park is framing is like making fun of a particular moral panic that people are having and they create an entirely silly absurd Um, usually outrageous moral panic that isn't real for, but is recognizable as you can basically you can tell what they're making fun of while they're using a completely different scenario to make fun of it. It's still clever. Like most of the time, you're like, oh yeah, I kind of see how if you just take this one step further. Like they're very obvious about both being straw manny and the fact that like. Yeah, well, like, there really is some underlying hypocrisy at work on all sides in the way that we're talking about this thing. Well, and And I think... Theory is just not as good, just not as smart as the people who write South Park.
0: Well, what you said about taking it to the next level or, like, making it more extreme, I think you're right. That's exactly what South Park does. And so, like, when you see something blown up to its, I guess, illogical conclusion, it's really funny. But you're right. That's not what they're doing here. Uh, and you know, I feel like I'm taking a more serious tone than I mean to. I don't want to say this episode is horribly offensive. It's not a hate crime. It's it's not even. It's it's annoying. Is all it is. And with uh, Sheldon's mom and her, there, there there there's nothing about the way they're drawing her that ever makes it like she is the ignorant one or she like everyone else is uncomfortable but she's still like the confident one who continues to say whatever she wants however uh outdated and absurd it may be and everyone else looks like an idiot for having been concerned about it
1: yeah i think the worst i mean it's it's presented as just sort of like country mouse field mouse sort of yeah. Bullshit. Which is, to be fair, I think part of the reason maybe it's annoying is that's how it's still sort of treated in the modern day. Like, even super serious versions of this where people are outraged, sort of the critique is you don't actually care about this. You're just virtue signaling to, like, your hipster friends about caring about it, which is annoying. But let's just to move on the conversation. I think the main reason we're talking about it so much and I think the main thing you can say with, that's fair in the episode is it's not funny. It's just no, fixating all... on it because like there are so many things that they could have put in that space that might have been funny and instead we're left talking about this because it was like it felt like it was ninety percent of the episode was jokes like this, and it just wasn't funny.
0: Yeah, it's it stood out a lot more than normal. Like it's you know, Raj is eighty or ninety percent of the time the butt of the joke because he's the only one not born in the US. Um but when when mom comes to town, anyone that's not uh, a, a a white Christian becomes the butt of the joke. Uh, and for whatever reason, she's never taken down for you know not just being a, a country mouse, but being a dumb a dumb at that. But
1: yeah, I mean they do like the best. <laughs> it's funny because the best burns against her are Sheldon's. Right, Sheldon actually gets in some pretty good digs at her, like including, I think my favorite was, now we're going to go see an astrophysicist lecture, and he is going to say that the Earth is more than 6,000 years old, so you're just going to have to put your fingers in your ears through that part until we get to the other stuff, which is actually a pretty good stake down. But of course, because Sheldon is consistently the most annoying and obnoxious character on this show, critiques from Sheldon are just rendered basically harmless. Right. They
0: they seem... Like you would discard anything he has to say, because it's like, oh, it's just more over-the-top, acerbic Sheldon nonsense, and not like, like you said, an actual good barb, an actual "got you back, mom," you you dumb, you dumb old broad. <laughs> um, but another thing about, about the episode to try to try to move on from this this sticky bog of racism that we occasionally find ourselves <laughs> wading through is, I thought it was interesting how. So Amy, uh, Amy fairy Fowler is very briefly in this episode and she kind of consoles Sheldon. But also I think her primary purpose in this episode is to stitch together two unrelated feelings to try to make them into like one through plot line. And what I mean is that the episode begins with... Sheldon not feeling like he is any longer mommy's number one special boy. And I think that makes sense. I think everyone growing up goes through that, where you eventually have to realize that your parents are independent people and that you cannot always 24-7 be their number one. And it's not to say like you're not still a priority, but it's like you can take care of yourselves. You can do some of the things you need. Your parents need their own time. And so that's what Sheldon's dealing with at the beginning of the episode. The um. He goes to talk with Amy for a little bit, and that comes up. And Amy kind of switches things where she's like, well, you know, these feelings you're having um, aren't really indistinguishable from the feelings that anyone else would be having in the situation. And so Sheldon's like, oh, not only does my mom not love me, but I am uh, indistinguishable common matter from anyone else around me. (laughs) And so it starts with, my mommy doesn't pay enough attention to me, but ends with, I'm not special, and somehow that's my mommy's fault. Uh, And him trying to get over it. Uh, And I don't know. It's like, I feel like both things are totally valid things to feel. I just wish both that they were the forefront of the episode, that they were more interesting to talk about than, for instance, all the racism we just went through. Um, But also, I don't know, I think it'd be fun to address it. Because, like, Sheldon, uh, one of his primary character traits... Is that he does tend to believe that everything in the world revolves around him because he is so special and advanced that why wouldn't it? And then to have to like accept that, you know, your own mom needs her own fucking time every now and then to really like focus in on that and how Sheldon tries to become more independent or or not. Maybe he really digs his heels in and it would have been a different episode where he becomes like more and more childlike as his mom tries harder and harder to break apart. But yeah. Uh, that's what happens with the rest of the episode, everybody. I don't
1: know. <laughs> No, I think that's, I, that's actually a really good point. I mean, I've talked about my pet lens through which to view these characters, which is all of them represent different stages of arrested development. Yeah. And, uh, Sheldon's is definitely like the, like the six to 10 year old range or six to eight year old range. He's like the little kid who can talk the precocious little kid who can talk but has no uh empath- hasn't developed empathy for other people yet. Yeah. Um and so yeah, in that sense it is interesting that the show tries to tie together like his general narcissism with the specific narcissism he feels towards his mother and you're right. You're right. It would have been a much better episode if they had actually focused on that. That could have been cool
0: anything about the actual episode that you would still like to discuss
1: um no that i mean general stuff about the it's weird like one thought i had was oh that's every episode now they have to drop in somewhere about how leonard is still dating priya even though she's ob- she's not on the show anymore right but, right and i'm and every time i'm like they're still doing this it's like, it's I tiresome don't, i don't know what they get out of like having that be part of his character. And it's become, in a weird way, because there haven't been many Leonard-centric episodes recently, it's become like his tri his like defining trait recently is like he's the dude whose girlfriend lives in India and he only talks to her remotely. And I just
0: Yeah, well and I was thinking why. Well and on top of that, because the series was initially premised off his interest in Penny, uh, with him attached to the ever distant Priya, Penny hasn't had much to do. She doesn't have her own character stuff going on. And so I realized this episode, um, now that she's back a little bit more, uh, that I missed her. Uh, And the only interesting thing with her that really happens, though, it's not even interesting. This is how starving I am for drama, is in the scene in the church. Uh, Leonard makes some sort of cracks or something. I don't remember what the hell it is when he's sitting next to Penny. But then afterwards... He noticeably scoots closer to her, and Penny gives him a look. So watch out. Watch out, everyone. Hot Big Bang Goss coming. I mean, this this happened in real time, like 10 years ago, but watch out. It's going to get spicy. Um. Yeah, what else? Uh, Sheldon's mom makes a bunch of nice dinners and makes me jealous. I like making nice dinners. I... Like, I should start cooking for people again in these post-COVID times?
1: Oh, speaking of Penny, uh, Sheldon's... and Sheldon's mom being... She's... she's oddly slut-shamey of Penny in this episode. She does
0: basically call Penny a hoe, yeah. That's... I I made a note of that. (laughs) Like,
1: again, in a weird way that doesn't actually advance the plot, like...
0: No, well, and... it, it probably happened more than once, but the one I remember is... Uh Sheldon and his mom are doing laundry. Penny comes down to do some laundry too. Or get something out of the dryer, I think it is. And then uh, Sheldon's mom just kind of like peeks through her garments and finds some skimpy top. And uh, says something about, I don't remember what the actual phrase was, but I feel like it was like, why... Buy the amusement park when you can ride the roller coaster for free or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's like, do you think the reason you can't find is uh, you can't find a life or a regular part, like a long-term partner, is because you let all the guys get on the roller coaster without buying a ticket first?
0: That's right.
1: Um, which is a weird metaphor, but I mean, maybe where she comes from, roller coasters are buy the ticket. But um... I
0: like that idea because, like, so. Yes, you do usually need a ticket and or need to wait in line for a roller coaster. But what if a roller coaster just came and went on its own schedule? Yeah,
1: everyone would love that roller coaster.
0: Yeah, and and the people to get on. No tickets, no lines. It was get in while you got a chance. It's going to stop for about 30 seconds in between rides. You know, you're lucky if the people that were just on it can get off in time for you to get on. Uh, I want a battle coaster, I guess, is where this is going. Uh,
1: What's a battle coaster?
0: It's a roller coaster, but you have to fight to get on it. <laughs> and maybe also nothing straps you in. And so if you don't... You know, I don't, I don't know why it is. It's like uh, I hadn't been on a roller coaster until I moved to L.A. Because we just don't have them in Montana. They're against the law. There are some things that are so mechanically advanced that we know that they're an affront to God. And we won't have them. Such as going upside down on a loop. But um, I like roller coasters, I learned. Uh, but I still hate Ferris wheels. Because uh, the height of a roller coaster I'm apparently fine with so long as I'm strapped in. But if I'm not strapped in, I'm like, there's nothing stopping me from leaping to my own death. And I don't trust myself not to do that. So this much more chill ride actually terrifies me. <laughs> uh, there wasn't really a point to that, I guess, other than I was still thinking about roller coasters. Uh, what else? I don't know. Do we want to get in a nerd shit? There's... I feel like... Oh, I guess
1: we've been rating these episodes, which we have been your rating uh, system is absurd. But uh, if you want to go ahead and rate this one,
0: sure, I'm going to rate it relatively high in spite of us complaining about it so much. And that is because honestly, it went down smooth, Uh, like to be annoyed by Sheldon's mom's racism, uh, though it was kind of the defining feature of the episode. The truth is that she is still a charming character. Uh, played by Laurie Metcalf, who is great. Uh, it was just... It was a mildly annoying episode, but uh, she's great. and So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 13 stars. Oh, uh,
1: I remember one more thing I wanted to say. Um, I'm going to give it like 4 out of 18 or whatever. I'm giving it half your rating, just because I didn't... I just found it boring. but uh, And tedious. But... This episode, the only times you ever see Raj talk to uh, Sheldon's mom is are when he is three sheets to the wind. Continuing my theory that Raj secretly has a huge horn dog crush on Sheldon's mother.
0: I mean, I I not so secretly have a bit of a crush on her. What if that was like one Raj's one exception? What if he just didn't feel uncomfortable around milfs? Yeah. that was. Now, this...
1: Again, that would actually be an interesting character trait. It wouldn't be, like, it would be pretty boring in the long run, but it would be something to explore with the character.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, something to think about as so we write our own crossover show trying to get Raj onto to Milf Island. Uh, but anyway, let's move Milf on. Milf Island,
1: that was originally what they were going to call Cougar Town, but... Uh... They decided to set it in Florida instead of Rhode Island, so they changed it.
0: Is that true? Please tell me that's true. No, I'm just making a joke. No, don't tell me you're making a joke. That was such a good joke. I want to live in that world. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we've had some fun. Kyle liked this episode a lot less than I did, which is reasonable because it wasn't a very good episode uh i i think this was the the light beer of episodes where it's there it's good enough you know you probably won't be too sick the next day but now we move on to the part of the show where we recommend things that we uh actually enjoy not just because they are part of producing content but because uh we they keep us company when we're spending time in our our shameful shadowy dungeons of nerdery and so Kyle uh i've got a a short one this week uh Hit me. Okay, Uh, so I've been playing a couple of things, but nothing really new, and I I even worry that I've recommended this recent, uh, not recently, but I've recommended before, I think, but uh, not a game this week. I am recommending instead uh, the Netflix sketch comedy show, I Think You Should Leave, by Tim, uh, well, it's not by Tim Robinson, but it's, I think, created by and primarily featuring Tim Robinson. And the reason my recommendation is short is because uh, it is a sketch show, and so there's no driving plot device. It's just funny ideas all thrown together. And I don't even want to describe any of the individual sketches because I don't want to ruin them. But what I can say is that um, when I first saw the show, I wasn't really into it because it seemed a little bit too off the wall for me, which I don't know if that makes sense, but it was like every scene almost every scene, Um, it's like a countdown timer until somebody goes insane. And then you just, and then there's a secondary timer until everyone else buys into that insane person's reality. (laughs) That's the gist of the show. And so at first I was like, this is crazy. Everyone is uh, acting out of their minds. It's, it's too chaotic for me. But I think if you just let it, let it flow over you and accept that you're in a different world. And that Tim Robinson... You can tell just from looking at him that he's a legitimately insane person. That uh, that it's... I, I have really come to enjoy it uh, with time. And the reason I'm recommending it now is that the the second season just released on Netflix. And I haven't finished the second season yet. I only got a couple episodes in. Um, I will ruin one sketch. It's not really ruining it. It's just, just, I'll just describe the premise. But for example um one of the the newer sketches is tim robinson's character is part of a haunted house tour but it's the ten thirty show and so the tour host uh tells everyone that hey you know no kids are here and so we can say whatever the hell we want and so tim robinson's character is like oh it's like jizz and horsecock and so it's, I could talk about weird little fuckers coming around with dingleberries coming out of their asses out of the walls and uh, the misunderstanding that he has about what seems to be a pretty obvious rule. Uh, also, you, if you haven't seen it before, but you spend time on the internet, as you're watching it, you'll probably be like, oh shit, that's where like a hundred different memes have come from because there's so many bizarre images that, that speak so loudly. But yeah, uh, that's my recommendation. Uh, I think you should leave Season 1 and or season 2 Your turn, Kyle
1: Okay um, So By the way, I've just started watching that So I thought it was a little intense myself But I'll try to stick with it to see if it
0: uh... It's I don't even know if it's sticking with it Or if it just needs time to like settle For me, I just needed time to comprehend What the fuck I was watching But it, it, it has Yeah, I'm, I've warmed to it intensely So sorry, go ahead
1: because I've definitely done that thing by the way where I was embarrassed to uh pull wrong way on a door and I've ri- and I've broken a door off of its hinges so um, Sweet. not during a job interview but just in general like not realizing that the reason it was sticking I guess not not because I knew it was wrong but you know I was like ah for some reason this door just doesn't want to pull it must be stuck I got to pull it a little harder so that's this sounds
0: hard. like a protracted humble brag about your your intense arm muscles tearing doors from their hinges.
1: Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> any humble brag will be will be uh, ruined by my recommendation. I am recommending this week the game Doki Doki Literature Club.
0: Okay, so as we're going into this, Kyle, I'm glad you're laughing at something that I don't... Because I've downloaded Doki Doki Literature Club. I've been told it's a great game to play. But I think I've come to accept I'm probably just never going to play it. And so, listeners, whatever Kyle is about to say is probably going to be at least a little spoilery. But please educate me on whatever is so great about this thing that I'm supposed to play.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I'll say there are a couple of things about it. Um, So first off, Doki Doki Literature Club really only makes sense if you understand that it is essentially a deconstruction of... A genre of video game that it's possible that Nick, that many of you have never did, wasn't aware existed, and definitely have not played. Um, the larger genre is the visual novel, which is a genre that came out of Japan. Which is basically, long story short, it's mostly like the cutscenes between what you would think of as a video game. It's basically their choose your own adventures. Just lots of, car- it's like a, it's like a not even cutscenes. It's like if you were playing. Uh, an old, like, JRPG, like, the scenes where the two characters are talking to each other, um, and that was the whole game, and occasionally you could make some choices that would, like, alter the story, but at no point in the story do you ever, like, fight monsters or anything, you're just basically reading a story and making some small choices about how the story plays out, but even those are pretty arbitrary, uh, and a lot of the times you're just reading a story with, like, some maybe voice dialogue. The most popular subgenre of the visual novel genre to come out of Japan, of course, is the dating sim. In which the story that you're, you play some nameless, usually faceless protagonist who is meeting a bunch of, uh, of hot girls and you talk to them. And maybe the one choice in the choose-your-own-adventure novel is usually, which one of these girls are you going to end up romancing so you have to figure out little things to say to get the attention of that one and the sword away from the others. And there are like 10,000 of these. They run the gamut from wholesome to incredibly X-rated. Um, they have a whole set of tropes. Um related to them this is where if you've never heard like if you've seen anime you might be familiar with some of these tropes anyway but you know if if you wondered like where the term "sundere" comes from <laughs> uh you know it comes from visual novels it's a character who acts like they hate you but really they love you they just can't let their pride go and express yes. that but so
0: steamily standoffish
1: What's interesting about Doki Doki Literature Club is on the surface of it, it is a very, very straightforward, deliberately stereotypical uh, dating sim. You are a nameless protagonist, or actually you can give your character a name, that's important, but you are a character, you're in high school, you're going to school with your childhood best friend, you've been friends for years, is there something there, is there not something there, who knows, you'll have to figure it out, um... And she wants you to join her after-school club, which is populated exclusively by very attractive. Well, I'm sorry, very attractive if you're the kind of person who uh, who gets turned on by anime drawings. Of you're listening to the show. Women. You are. You are. So I find them very attractive, but uh, very attractive um, high school girls who each represent some sort of very recognizable archetype. There's the there's the. Um, like I said, there's the childhood friend, there's the, uh, president of the club who's very professional and put together, there's the spooky one who kind of likes horror and is into, uh, maybe dark stuff, but is too shy to talk to you about all of her tour interests unless you, uh, you know, really want to get into it with her, and there's the one who looks like she's 12. Less said about that, the better. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so in any other game... You would basically you would go to the after school club and you would take turns talking to the different girls and maybe you would select one of them to spend more of your focus and time with. And eventually a love story would develop between you and then the game would end. And that's how this game looks like it's going for a surprisingly long time. But they're just the more you play, the more weird little hints there are that something's not quite right with and it's hard to yeah it's hard to go on without out spoilers but um basically there's something going wrong and i don't mean in the sense that like there's a secret serial killer or something like that it's more like you know uh like the late season twin it's like there's something wrong with the world it's like this is not the kind of game or setting some some mysterious and sinister force is manipulating uh The whole world that you are stuck in while you talk to these characters. And probably the best example of that um, that I can take of that won't really spoil anything is something kind of – one of the first like kind of dark and fucked up things happens. And uh, normally what you would do in a game like this, if you made a mistake, right, what would you do? You would go back and you would reload the game. That makes sense, right? You do that in, in, I guess, other games. Yeah, classic save scumming. Yeah, you save scum, right? So something kind of messed up happens. You're like, oh, that was not the way I intended for that interaction to go. So you go back to load your saves and your saves are gone.
0: I like that. I like you that just, a lot.
1: There's, you, you can't reset. You just have to keep going forward. And there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. In fact, I'll even say... Uh, cause I don't think this is too spoilery in the grand scheme of things, but if it is stop listening here for like the next 10 seconds, things really start to get weird after one of the characters dies and then you can restart the game. But if you restart the game, everyone keeps, uh, it's the exact same story, but now that character is not in the game and no one talks about them as if they never existed.
0: That rules. Uh, maybe I'll actually I- have to play this. Friggin' game that's been on my playlist for like two or three years
1: yeah also it's very short like you can play the whole thing in maybe like four hours so it okay. is definitely it's definitely something i would recommend like i said if you are into any kind of and i mean even nick you like persona right so if you like persona yeah. i feel like you have enough buy into this that you can just oh sort of. i
0: I though I may be less of a weeb than I once was. I if I don't have the cultural competency to play this game, it's all been a waste.
1: Well, it's funny because this is not really. This was not a game made by Japanese people. Um, it's an American game that's just poking fun at the, or not even poking fun. That just it was made by people who are incredibly familiar with the genre. Um, but anyway, yeah, I would recommend anyone who even thinks that they might have a remote end to try it out because it's good. It's fast paced you can get it on basically any platform now so you can play it on it was obviously it's designed to feel not just like a computer game but like a Renpy game have you ever played anything made in Renpy?
0: no i have not done that
1: okay so a lot of indie games and indie dating sims uh not that i would know this are made in Ren-P, sure which is a very like user-friendly easy to program uh computer interface um but uh, it's designed to look like a Ren game, so you can play it on your computer, um, but you can also, it's been ported to everything now. So I played it on the Switch, and the Switch version was very good.
0: Oh, oh man, I wonder if I've seen it on the Switch or not, because uh, I'd probably it just, be more...
1: It just dropped. That's why finally I was like, well, if it's going to oh. be on the Switch, I might as well just yeah. finally get around
0: to it. It like It literally dropped like a week ago. I was going to say, I might be more inclined to play it on the Switch than on my computer, and then I'm like... I did buy a gaming computer for a reason and it's so I can handle all the intense graphics of Doki Doki Literature Club. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's a good time to the Switch is a great system to play visual novels on. I'm not that big a fan of the genre, but I am looking forward there's the new uh Phoenix Wright prequel trilogy the mm-hmm. th- not even prequel. Uh, I don't basically there's the new Phoenix, the Ace Attorney uh games that are finally being ported over that are set uh before or that are set in like the 1800s. I'm excited about those coming to the switch. And then Dangang Garopa or however the fuck you say that, that trilogy is coming to the switch. So it's, if you wanted to get into the genre of weird, barely uh gameplay based, uh fun little Japanese weirdo games, now is a good time to do it.
0: Awesome. So recommendations, a comedy show that may melt your brain, and an anime-inspired video game that may also melt your brain. Oh, yeah,
1: and I should warn you, the game is, it is legitimately, uh, I probably should have, put this at the beginning before people tuned out but the game does deal with like actually upsetting subject matter in many many ways so if you're like the kind i mean it comes with trigger warnings but it's not just it's not like just like silent hill horror it's also just like if you're the kind of person who's bummed out by people talking about like serious depression or suicidal ideations or shit like that maybe take a pass
0: good times good times for everybody uh kyle we did it again we made it through another episode
1: Amen. I wasn't sure we were going to do it on this one, but we did.
0: Yeah, I wasn't. It, between my my late sleep and my uh, allergy medicine induced drowsiness, I was like, I don't know if I've got it in me. I don't know if I've got the power. But the show, nonetheless, uh, as it does every other week, has inspired us to create something more beautiful than either of us could create on our own, which itself is a real bummer. Um,. any any final thoughts we want to leave our audience with this week new segment final thoughts
1: (laughs) new segment final thoughts uh
0: racism is funnier if you really
1: commit to it I guess that's my final thought of the week
0: I will buttress that with whatever I have in this fortune uh from a fortune cookie from about a week ago that I haven't thrown away yet oh hey audience you have tremendous potential for success Panda Express